Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two, whilst occasionally sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing with this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 28th of August 2023. Now, I'm in danger of sounding like a scratch record on a number of these products this week. So let's get through the ones I sound the same on, which we will start with... All seed rape, because I really don't have a clue on that one, and our underlying instinct is that it will go up, so there's a sell signal for you. Current November value, X Farm, X Store, 355. No more comments to make on that. I think we're all watching the weather in the States and whether the soybean gets damaged with too much heat or whatever, so that may be the thing that the catalyst that gives it a bit of a boost. Moving swiftly on to feed barley, current value for that X farm, September movement, 156 X farm. That's an improvement. Clearly the barn doors are shut. I don't see that one going down particularly unless there's a major move down in all commodities. Further forward, if you can hold on to your feed barley, I think wise advice would be to do that. I think it's going to be that price or better. So I haven't got much of a story on that one either. Well, I'll go to malting barley next. Harvest movement malting barley is done in this part of the world. There's obviously harvest going on in other parts of the country and it's speculative for us to say what we what is happening up there because we're getting mixed reports. Some people are saying, oh, there's loads of really good barley. They tend to be molsters. And then the trade tend to say it's a mixed bag. There's some good and there's some bad and they're trying to sift through and put the good with the good and be in denial about the bad or whatever. But there is a a usable crop that's being sorted out. In the background, UK FOB values have improved against Danish, and that's a clear signal to me that people recognise the UK crop, certainly from the east and parts of the south and possibly the north, is going to have enough or decent quality to be usable, whereas the Danish stroke Swedish crops, I think if you buy a cargo of that, there's a fair chance you're going to get something that's a little bit minging in the middle of the cargo. So that's a very positive slant price-wise for farmers I think at the moment the market just is not moving the buyers are not engaging they've got their harvest contracts to move they've got their stocks in place they are not being pushed by brewers to fix prices no one's pushing for it but just underlyingly that famous barn doors are closed feeling it's definitely where we're at in East Anglia shoehorning it into every available space we've got trying to get the stuff we have got into condition yeah, the barn doors are clearly shut, and we're quite happy to sit back and go, do you know what, we'll talk about that another day. Two months down the line, we'll see whether you're interested or not, and if not, shove it on a boat. So that's kind of the, the malting barley market. As, to me, I've just told you to hold it, if you like. Don't sell it. Your call, if you need the money or you want to get out of the way or it's a little bit dodgy quality-wise and you don't want to hang on for too long, then by all means get on with it and get it out. So this just then moves on to feed wheat, and I've been calling that one down in the spot market for quite a long time, and it has it's had a worse moment than where it is now. 
my instinct on that now is beginning to be, do you know what? Farmers clearly don't like the price. They don't like the price of anything for what it's worth. There's enough lack of engagement to keep the market from going down any further. And I think it's more likely to go sideways to up than actually down anymore in the short term. I don't know what it would take. If spot value for feed wheat, which is currently harvest is still kind of 170x if you had to move it immediately. There's not much of that left in East Anglia, but that's theoretically its value versus 178x for November and 192x for May. So there's a really good carry in the market. It's not that far off 200 quid, but it clearly isn't an acceptable price. And I think 200 is probably the benchmark that will bring one or two people out. So if you're looking at even most further forward months, you end up £8 off that price. So, yeah, I think lack of farmer selling is a force that is not kind of debated or negotiated or arranged or cartelled if you like between farmers they just kind of all do the same thing without unconsciously knowing it and i think that's largely what's going to go on with the wheat price it's going to sit there and not be sold and if there's no sellers there's only one way the market can go if anyone needs to buy anything there is an export at a competitive rate other than boats that have been sold previously so there is an issue with not having that many places to take it there was a big carryover of old crop because there was a good price difference for people to do that and there was a guaranteed quality which now will benefit any storekeeper that kept old crop wheat because it's got fantastic kilo weights and hagbergs, etc. as a backbone, although there's plenty of good hagbergs from this harvest as well. There's lots of bits of in the cake, lots of ingredients in there that drive a bit of confusion, but underlyingly, no sellers is the driver. The UK as a value against the rest of the world, we're reasonably cheap, but we're still uncompetitive export-wise. You know, there's cheaper Polish wheat being offered, there's cheaper wheat being offered in other parts of Europe. We can't compete with that. And obviously Russia has a surplus, a big surplus, so the world has cheaper wheat available. Ukrainian wheat will probably seep its way into Europe and undermine the market as well. That will be cheaper than what we've got. So all of those factors, in theory, makes the UK a sell, but nobody's selling it, as I've said before. And I think, yeah, that's enough the rally that's going to come, if there is one, is going to come from the rest of the world. If it just doesn't go down and then something occurs, and it is a very, very, very dangerous market. Stocks are getting tighter. What do the Chinese need to buy? When are they going to show their hand in you buying 9 million tonnes? All of these things are going on. At some point, harvest finishes, no more offers, and the corn crop in the States comes, and the US cuts everything, and Canada comes in with a fair crop. Until that point, I can't see any pressure whatsoever. So I think we may well have a rally, especially with, you know, the various political issues that could occur still centering around the Black Sea. So the underlying message is we've changed our stance on wheat. I don't think there is any more downside particularly to it. Certainly if you said I need to move some tomorrow, it's not going to be very good price. But that's not really relevant. There aren't that many people in that sort of muddle anymore. Our stores will be full, which is great. And we will be, I'm quite happy for everyone to know this, well, we'll be registering the same stores as last year, bar one, which we no longer use. But we are introducing three new stores into our tendering bag. And I don't think we're alone on that. One other final thought, just to be really techy about wheat. I guess with the carry between November and May at £12, £12.50 a tonne, anyone who is a big consumer can't really lose out if he buys November wheat. I thought November would be very unattractive because who wants to own something at £191 a tonne, ex-Norfolk, when the delivered market into Norfolk is £191 a tonne? 
so nobody with a good mathematical brain. However, if you were trying to buy a million tonnes of UK product and you've got no farmers selling it to you and you have your customers saying, I want to fix the price, you have to buy something as a hedge. If they buy UK non-futures at 191 and they can sell May futures at 203, you've got £12 a tonne, which £9 of that in round figures will go as rent if you keep it there that whole time. And you still get some money back for the interest that you're paying. You're getting it's kind of guaranteeing supply. And if you guarantee supply, you can make as many sales as you like. You've got a value where you can get some cover, and then you aren't going to lose any money if you get out of them and buy physical wheat later from someone much cheaper than the futures price. You can unwind it, and it won't cost you much. And I think that underlying is also if if farmers continue not to sell, then I'm afraid regardless of UK's lack of competitiveness, there's going to be plenty of people still buying the nov wheat. That being the case, it's good news for us because one, we'll get paid, and two, they'll keep it in there and we'll get all of the rent back, or in theory we should. So there's logic to why this market just doesn't want to go down, and it's mainly, we come back to that one point again, I think the biggest influence on UK wheat staying here or going up in its own right is all to do with farmers not engaging. Beware the world market, and I think the world market actually is more likely to go up from now on than go down so hopefully there's a little bright light of optimism creeping into what's going to happen next on grain prices so with that very happy thought for farmers have a great week trading thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications, informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download. And with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731550 or email info at doinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for the farm chat. We should have sent this in for editing about four hours ago, so we're not going to be very popular with the editors. I've got Ben and I've got Josh. Hello, sorry. Hello. So what we got is, well, Norfolk is... Hang on, we're missing Webby. No, we're not. He's out on farm. Yeah. Conquering the universe. As Josh said, he's finally left the NR11 postcode. <laughs> heroes wear capes, Ben. Anyway, yeah, so you two discuss the harvest. There you go. Okay. Not all heroes wear capes, but... Um, yeah, I mean, harvest is was pretty much the quality is average. We're at the tail end in certainly near Norfolk, Suffolk. The rest of the UK, I think there's still quite a bit to go. And, you know, there has been a lot more rain in the Midlands and the north and into Scotland. It has. I think that also in lots of farmers, if they're not going over a Weybridge, if the key looks like there's a lot, but there isn't a lot, kind of the opposite of last year. Some varieties on wheat seem to have done really well, like Dawson in the mid-70s kilo weight, so they're doing well. But a lot of these, you know, Champion and a few others look like they really struggled this year. Yeah, and I think on the, on the milling wheat side, we're starting to see some pretty weird and wonderful premiums coming in for lower spec wheats on the milling wheat side and I think that highlights that there are more issues on the group ones and because of the problems in Germany millers are going to have to become very flexible so later in the season I think that's going to be one to watch. We had some spring wheat in this morning which is obviously drilled in March or whenever it was and it was 14.5% protein. Hagberg was gone wasn't it? 
Well, uh, you know, the protein was phenomenal. The Hagberg was there. Well, it was about 180, which is okay. But, yeah, we'd certainly want to spear the rest of the heap. Malting barley. I actually drove past a field today where there's a field of barley still out there, which is quite frightening. Where was this? Roughly two-thirds of the way towards Holcombe. Isn't it safe to say that that's feed? Very safe to say that's feed. I'm not an expert. <laughs> well, we did see some cut yesterday, and it was pretty special because it was the only sample I've ever seen that's green and black. Okay, just <laughs> be careful what you say there. Right? Well, it was cut in East Norfolk. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right, the, clear, the very last ones have had it, and the ones just before that in a normal year would almost certainly have had it as well. It's just whether the goalposts have moved, and you've got to anticipate that. Certainly for the straw members here, yeah. we've got to try and grasp at the potential of there being a premium for something that arguably there isn't. So we're trying. It's the actual presentation of those samples to molsters is going on as we speak, and I think it's going to take a little time for the palate to change. And they might not. They might have enough of really good stuff from somewhere else. Mars or the moon might have some. There's water <laughs> on the moon. But no, there, there isn't a lot. Maybe Canada will come home with a bucket load of barley, but that doesn't look likely either. Think so, yeah. Oh, I think in the case of lots of molsters, they did carry a lot of, of old crop into a new crop, didn't they? Yeah. Because the quality was good. And I know one that we trade with isn't going to take anything until any sort of new crop until November, December. But that's the danger, isn't it? They always use old crop up until October anyway, because it is a recognised, you know, that recovery thing that's stated every year. But they had more carryover than usual, yes. I believe the issue is the carryover into next crop that they require. The shortage isn't now the shortages in the future. We've heard these stories from merchants ever since Gob was a boy. You know, our job as a merchant is to tell the molster that he's in deep trouble, he's going to run out of barley, and he's got to pay the earth for whatever's left, otherwise his business is finished and he's a complete failure. And so they've heard it times that it's like crying wolf. Now this <laughs> year, we're going to tell the same story again, except that it's going to be partly true, and now it depends upon how much shipped out, because the forgiving nature of the Gaftacom, I think the barley we've got in certainly East Anglia is good enough to meet those specs. And I think in comparison to Danish, the UK barley is going to be attractive. There's already been European molsters swapping their Danish cargoes for English cargoes. So they've done their research and gone, if I buy a Danish cargo, it's going to have some pretty There's meaning. problems, yeah. There's going to be something on the boat that shouldn't be there. If I buy something from the UK, it should be consistently a better quality. So I think a lot of UK barley will leave the country this year. And I think that's great news for farmers. You know, we're aware of that, and that's why we're perhaps hanging on to the hope that a lot more of our barleys make it. But, you know, we also have customers the other side of the fence, the molsters, who, as much as we you know, rib the people we trade with, they're vital to us, and we don't want them to not be able to have the barley that they need. We don't want it to go abroad necessarily. So it's a fine balance of convincing them that they should be doing something and getting something done before the boats hoover up all the spare tonnage. Yeah, and there is certainly a lot of boat interest out there. Yeah, absolutely. We will do a boat or two because it's forgiving. You know, load by load into a you know, A rejection costs £20 per tonne if you take it back to the store you've bought it from. That's a lot to make up. So, you know, if you know that you can blend some onto a bill within the spec of the contract, right, albeit at a three or four or five pound discount, that's not much of a discount. And it's just peace of mind, money mm. up front, you name it. Obviously, the sample is after it's been delivered, but much easier way of trading the stuff than by load. And it's, we have got something which is a better quality than the normal supply of boats, uh, malting barley. So 
it's a very positive story from a price perspective for farmers. It's also positive for molsters if they need early and get on with it. Now, we've done the right thing by both of our customers, haven't we, on that? We have, but as you say, the European guy and the shipper, they seem to be really on it, don't they? Yeah, they're certainly choosing UK products, yeah. yeah. That's, the Monty Barley is a, is a major part of our business, choosing UK products, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the Monty Barley is a, is a major part of our. It's kind of put to bed now. We've got a few people still to move the odd thing here and there. We are now struggling. Everyone else has struggled for a while. The point where the hell do you tip? I, I, other than tip it in my garage, that we haven't filled up. Although Webby was on a farm today, there were lots of stores, and we didn't ask him whether he, he noticed any empty ones, did we? No, he just walked around with his eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know. If he pulls that one off, I'll be, yeah, I'll make it. Do you want craft glory at Diablo? Fingers crossed when he reappears. So what else is there, you know, the, the wheat well, harvest? Yes. We're questioning a lot, is, is the London Futures wheat? I mean, it's just, it's resilient, which is good, but it is. there's lots of question, isn't there? Look, well, yeah, here. We're, we're going to register at least a new store with the stores we've already got. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain there's more stores being registered than usual. The deadline date is, is the obvious place to price your wheat. It's a 10 to £15 premium over exit in East Anglia. And I'm pretty certain one or two people have finally caught on with that being a good idea. If that's the case, there's going to be a, a large amount, 6,650-odd 6, contracts, I say, of November wheat open. I think it's somewhere in that region, which clearly isn't all going to be 10. Yeah. big... There must be a big, a big chunk, yeah. Unless that spread when May goes out to 16, 17 quid. And at the moment, it's trading about 12 to 13. But whoever owns November wheat, and there will be a load of it tended regardless of the carry going out because money is needed, is going to be holding the baby. They're going to be holding wheat in Norfolk stores, in Kent stores, in, I guess, Essex, Suffolk, Hampshire, yeah. those places where it's not, it's going to be a very expensive product, 190 odd pounds a tonne. X store represents 200 well, how many consumers are paying 200 odd delivered in, East, in the eastern counties they're not they're paying 190 so it's there's the same thing that's happened in the last 15 years is about to happen again so we're telling you there's going to be more than usual coming onto the london wheat futures certainly from us and we expect from other people no i think it makes a lot of sense you can tell because there's a lot of people buying into store this year aggressively than normal yeah we're seeing bids aren't we every day into stores yeah, we're beating and not getting on, but I was getting worried about not filling. And then next thing I know, Webby says, oh, we'll fill it. And I'm thinking, oh, and then you find some 500 acres more to cut. And oh, he's got. And now we find South Pickenham, which is two big sheds. One of them's full, the other one's well on the way. It was a bit of a carryover in there as well from last year. So, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to pull it off, boys, which I, I was worried about. I know you were. And uh, to be fair to Webby, he sat there calmly sucking his little finger, Kenny looking, you know, rubbing his teeth and smiling at people. Should we defend him? No, carry on, Ben. They're paying Webby a compliment. Sucking his little finger. You know how he does that thing where he puts his little finger in his... And then he looks at you and he goes... From childhood. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he does have this habit of sort of standing behind you and pointing all over your screen. With a pointing at it, he just sort of rubs his finger on it. Which he's just had Frank Burters or pork belly this morning, I think it was. <laughs> anyway... Right, I haven't finished praising Ian Webster, right? So he has said we're going to be fine. No stores, and we're going to have too much. So well done, Webby. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yep, that's praise indeed. <laughs>
What else is full? Yeah, Ray's full. What else is full? What else can we do? I mean, no, we, we, so we're, we're full. Just, we're ready for a harvest too, aren't we? I've had enough. Well, the boys outside have worked for six weeks solidly, 24-7. Yeah. And we've had enough. It, it, and it keeps coming today. 15-7, 15-5, wheat coming in. It's like, when is this ever going to end? A lorry comes in with some 14% more. Do you mind if we redirect you somewhere else? Oh, what are you looking for? Well, because otherwise we'll tip you straight in an outload, being an out again, because we've already filled that. We're at our limit. But yes, you're right, Andrew. We're ready for the harvest due, but, you know, look out, Cromer. Yeah, we're going to go to Cromer, which is exciting. But what's quite funny is when I told Vlad, I said to Vlad outside, are you able to make the harvest due? And he looked at me and he went, sure, why not? I said, all right, do you you need to check? No, I basically live here, Ben. (laughs) 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 So, you know, he's a good egg, Vlad. You see... See the effect, how much people love this job. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're going to go to Cromer 1st of September and have a little shindy, don't we? Yeah, it'll be good, you know, and you're right, we all, we've all sort of, yeah, hit the limit and we need it, really. Yeah, so I th- at that point, harvest will physically be over. There will still be grain to move into store next week and the week after, probably, to tidy off, I guess. I mean, there's people who are not in a hurry and some people who are not. But it's been, undeniably, in my opinion, a real drag this year, day after. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you can see it in farmers' faces as well. The ones that come into the office, the ones that come into the lab, you can see that they're mentally like drained from it. You know, oh, is this is this all right? Is that all right? Does that work? It's yeah, it's been a tough harvest. Yeah, it has. It's been awful, and uh, I think for everyone, everyone involved, you're right, Ben. You can see it. They just look yields are average. You know, they planted a lot of wheat last year, but I'm knackered, bored of it. I'll tell you one thing: farmers are not engaging with selling. They don't like the price. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think they've sold to everybody else. I, I think the rest of the merchant in trade can safely say that they've got plenty more to buy from their customer base, and, and maybe you know more than normal percentage-wise. But the price simply is not going down. They're not. But also, I think that's all happening in Europe as well. We know from our man over in the continent there that farmers are not engaging over there. Yeah. Well, so... What is it and but you said this, Andrew. You know, engage together, then they will change the market. Well, they definitely will. Yeah, they're all engaging together and not selling it. They decide, oh, I need some money for Christmas or something. And they're all going to come in and whack it one at the wrong moment. Well, yeah. but are they going to force it up first? Possibly. It feels a bit, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, there is. Although for a lot of them, if the rain sort of persists the further north they go, they'll probably have to sell just because they can't dry it. In lots of cases. Point, Josh. Yeah. yeah play. I mean, it is, I mean, the guys are buying at the moment at a big premium to what they normally have to make, because there isn't enough volume coming forward. So that volume has to get, doesn't it? So, or can they store it? Is the Well, it's can they store it or can they dry it? Well, we, we've got people coming in with surplus and they're going, no, I don't want to sell it. We'll have a storage. I'm mm. okay. We'll cover the cost of our storage and we'll make a margin out of it in the end. And it takes away any finance issues for us. So we're happy with that. Whether that's the right or the wrong decision, if they come back in three months at the same price it is now and they pay a storage charge, they're going to be a bit sulky about it, aren't they? So as long as they're all conscious of that as a decision, it certainly is unpalatable in the 170s, <coughs> areas, isn't it? That's the point. It is. And the other thing I'd say is that this week just gone, there has been a lot of ramping up of missile strikes between Ukraine and Russia. The press has been full of it. Certainly Russia have hit more stores. They've hit the Danube stores again. Ukraine have hit more buildings in Moscow. It, it feels to me like the conflict has gone up again. Well, that Wagner got down on, on Wednesday, wasn't he? Allegedly. I think that might have been an accident. 
Sorry, yes, of course. That should send a lot of shockwaves around a lot of the people in the world, all the elite. Yeah. I'm slightly worried about what the Wagner troops are going to do. I mean, some, some of them are like hanging around... Belarus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moving away from the Polish border towards the Russian border was the, the latest allegation. The number one and two of their organisation is now allegedly dead. A pancake, yeah. Well, you don't know that, do you? No, that is true. They haven't verified that he's actually... His phone was there, apparently. Oh, OK. Point is, you know, don't, don't upset Vlad. No, it's phenomenal, that, well, isn't he's it? He's a boy, isn't he? But, I mean, yeah, fair play. He, the guy had a bit of a mutiny, so take him out. That's not going to lie down and die for him, I don't think. That's no. Because became popular, and no one in Russia allegedly was... They, they gave about 30 seconds on the news to it, and the reaction of the people was kind of... Uh, course <laughs> so yeah. they kind of knew he had it coming which is slightly worrying but as, as, but yeah no that i think that will have further implications i just can't i'm bright i mean it does it yeah it does feel like the conflict as ever as we know with markets they get used to something and then they go oh well that's not big enough to move but it just feels like there might be another something ramping up but the other consideration is trump isn't it they're now saying that if trump comes in you know he's looking like the cat yeah. And all right, what one or two Republicans are prepared to say, look, he's not going to be, we're not going to win. Trump's Biden is, you know. I think uh, Trump could win against yeah, Biden. I, I think he could because Biden's become so senile, and I get that. But if he did win, all, you know, the support for the Ukraine war from America would just, would, he did all sorts of nutty stuff. In a, you know, yeah, yeah. No, we're not doing that, doing that. All of those things that were done, there's lots and lots of big implications if he gets back into power in a hurry. Well, I think other than even Kennedy, who's running, is going to run against, uh, but it looks a lot, he looks to run against uh, Biden. He's saying the same sort of thing. He said he'd pull it. All support for Ukraine. And he's a Democrat. Yeah, but I think there, there was something about the, you know, these, uh, Joe Biden just chucked 25 billion towards Ukraine. And these victims in, in Hawaii were $700 per household. So Ooh. that's not going to win votes, is it? There's that. There's that, um, the Rich Men North of Richmond, which is a song in the States. Oh, it's gone viral. It's gone absolutely massively viral. I'd I'd recommend listening to it, even if you don't like country music, just because it's the mood of where the States are at. And it's a guy who just completely is rejecting record labels just to play the song that he believes to be true. What's it called? The Rich Men of... Uh, Rich Men North of Richmond. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Rich Men North of Richmond. Good good Lord. Yeah. It's relatively controversial, but it kind of isn't really, and it's just his point of view. And but it's really striking a chord yeah, with I, a I, lot of middle of America. Yeah, it's resonated, hasn't it? Well, he, he's from a coal mining family, apparently. So I've read, you know, I, you know, he's a coal mining family, and then uh, they're shutting all the coal mines for. But there's no support. There's nothing else around these coal mining areas, so they've got nothing. And yeah, as you say, they give 25 billion to Ukraine. It's like, ooh. yeah, yeah mm. All right, let's vote for Trump then, so he'll. Give it to the miners. That's not what I was suggesting, but I think that it does. It gives you. It gives you a. It gives you a good. Um, it gives you a feel for what is actually going on. No, I get that. I, do, I get. I get what you're saying. It's just the reality is he probably would give it to the miners because he's going to go straight back to oil, isn't he? And but I think. I think. I think we're going to start seeing that type of attitude here in the UK. I mean, I just. I just read a headline that apparently, lot, you know, a lot of people who are struggling with their bills, are going to go into this winter in debt to their energy companies, and then, of course, it's winter. Yeah. I mean, well, the easiest vote for Rishi appears to be go back to oil. 
He's giving licenses out left, right, and centre. He, he U-turned on the ULES thing. He's gone for voting. His attitude is now get in at any state. Yeah, I mean, the ULES thing, I think, is a load of nonsense, to be honest. You know, to the M25, you, as soon as you step inside it, 15 quid for whatever, you know, nonsense. Also, the combustion engine not being allowed to happen after 2030. We haven't got the technology. There's two charging ports in Aylsham. Other than that, the nearest one is bloody GridServe in That's south of Norwich, which has been there for six months. They're still not even plugged in. Josh, you're fired up. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a charging point just been put in down here. There's there old, is. They're, they're all coming. Mark Daniels put them in next to our office. How many cars are there in Aylsham? A lot. <laughs> well, the point is, what's the percentage of electric cars? There's one charger. Yeah. I have no idea. We're going we're gonna to buy one, aren't we? Are we? Yeah, we've, we've, we've kind of got one. Yeah. Why? Because we're going to save the planet. Well, you can put that down. Do you want to say, I'll tell you how we save the planet. We're going to get recyclable sample bags. Uh-huh. Good one. Yeah? What else? Actually, we've been recycling Frontiers, so... Yeah? yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Thanks, Frontier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Frontiers actually helped well, talk, Talking about Frontier, they, oh. they must have... I'm waiting for them to make a big move on the market because the deal that Empire did with John Deere where they know the data of the whole of the harvest in the Northern Hemisphere. It's fact. They don't pull that face out of your bed. But, you know, so they must, they now know what this year's harvest is in the whole of the Northern Hemisphere. <coughs> so that is data they're getting from the combine harvesters from John Deere. Yeah, they did a deal, paid for that data, so every farmer... Do, do all the farmers know that? I don't think they think it mean, makes any difference. They know they've got 9.6 tonnes a hectare. What does that mean? But the reality of that particular piece yeah. of information is should be frightening to every farmer. It should waken them up to the fact that if Frontier are paying £2 more than anyone else at any, any point in time, very possibly Cargill have just discovered that the crop is about 5 million tonnes lower. This is, this is what uh, data is worth. Big brother, yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's essentially knowledge. I mean, you should re reword it to knowledge. If I do it, so I can't blame them, it's just let's be aware that that is, is actually or has actually happened. Yeah. And it's like, long on what their expectations are for the US crop? No, they're keeping it to themselves and they're going to utilise it, as they always have done as the biggest commodity trader in the world, the biggest in the world, to control the market, which is fine, as long as everybody knows that's what's happening. So we're going to tune something into Murray Ferguson's 1976 New Holland. Open top, yeah. <laughs> Where the guy has to wear full dust mask and hazmat suit. Dust mask. <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then, no, just, just combine into the wind. <coughs> oh, yeah. And then, yeah, other than <laughs> and then we're going to have an algorithm applied to that to give us an estimation of what happens in the rest of the country. So we'll be able to compete with that. My friend visited us recently. So, yeah, and he's uh, yeah. So he basically trades uh, organic crops in China. Don't pull that face, Andrew. There are organic crops in China, yeah. and uh, it, but he was you know, he obviously I drove him around and he was fascinated by how massive the combine harvesters were in the UK and all. Yeah, you probably all know this, but he says he said, well, don't forget, Ben, all the land in China is owned by the Communist Party. So if you're a farmer, you do not own that land. You just have it for five years. You farm it. If you make money, fine. If you don't, they don't care. You just have to leave the land and go somewhere else. Well, I mean, that doesn't encourage, you know... Innovation. Well, it doesn't encourage protecting the last two years. You know, have a contract for six months 
and they will scan out of the soil. So the soil in the end becomes unusable. Mm. It's not a really good system. If they actually rewarded people for leaving the soil in good condition, it would make a difference, but it's, that's, that's a bad model. It is, but obviously the, the highlight of Andy's trip was, uh, was the hat. Yeah, well, the fashion item that has sold, hasn't it? It has. I don't desperately like to wear it outside of the rural community. Well, now, this is funny, Josh, because obviously I gave one to Andy Zhang, and then he wouldn't take it off his head, because in China, red is a lucky colour, and I don't think he fully understood the whole slogan, which is fine, but he put it on, and he was so happy, and I took him to the Suffield Arms, and he wore it over lunch, and I could see people staring, but he was just happy, and then he got on the train waving at me, wearing the hat. I think they're definitely quite amusing. They're really, they are really popular. But, but yeah, I think some people look at you. If you go to an area wokey, they do really give oh you yeah. a second look. Yeah. Let's wear them in Chroma then, where it's not wokey. Yeah, they'll love it there, to be fair. <laughs> they wouldn't know what a MAGA hat is, would they? Oh, oh come on. They probably right. couldn't read See? a single word on the font. Right. Yeah, it's longer than four letters. No. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So you two just insulted them and we're going there. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. Oh, there's the Dewing Grain one. Let's beat them just, up. Just for the record, I am drinking a Nelson's Blood Bitter, which was brewed by Bruin. Um, I know, this was, I bought from oh. that shop. Oh, I beg your pardon. This was, ooh, I don't know, actually bottled it. Heacham. Is it? Fox Brewery. Okay, big one. Fox Brewery. Yes, there you are. And they're from Heacham. You're absolutely right. It was in Teddy's shop. And is it good? Yeah, it is. It's very nice. And Nelson's blood, as everybody knows, that the sailors kept drinking from the cast with Nelson's pickled body in uh, when he's coming back from the Battle of Alga, when he's to the UK. Do you know what he was supposedly, what was in the cast? It was brandy. Rum. That's why the, the nickname was supposedly. That's why the nickname for rum is Nelson's blood. There you go. Ah, uh, brilliant. There you go. So rum, Nelson, and all the sailors drank it, so it was a bit <laughs> dried out by the time he got back. <laughs> Norfolk boys, anyway, that's <laughs> free beer. Important point about the John Deere combines. Yes. Um, other than that, it's kind of like time to get into the autumn, I suppose, and start thinking about a holiday. <laughs> You're right, I think we all holiday. I don't know, I've had a holiday, probably not. They've got to keep going, haven't they? Well, honest. they've got to get all the drilling done now, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, don't envy them the next month, really. No, actually, on that very quickly, the. Um, Apparently, germination in some of the seed wheat are really dropping. They're really struggling, which obviously suggests that obviously germination lots of things must be struggling. You see, that's not the bad thing, is it? Because in theory, you're going to have to buy more seed to get the same germination. Exactly. Right, so, so that, that adds to the cost. Yeah, it will do. It will do. But yeah, apparently a lot of it's uh, germination, germinating, like not hitting spec. And likewise, seed sales for rapeseed are down massively. Doesn't surprise me. We've actually got three audits this month coming up, so... I know, I know, but I, I decided to push them. We've got Vince now, an accountant, who actually can count, so it's like, <laughs> we're not surprised how much we've made, we know already, <coughs> and, uh, but we've got to do the audits. What aud? Okay. And then they're done, we get them out. I get our figures out earlier. Okay. It will be more standard, and that league table that Whitlock, Whitlock puts together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be we're moving up to not quite European places, but, you know, we're a little bit like Brighton, you know, above our station. Okay. Anyway, with that, you know, farm sticking with it, mate. You know, you've been seeing it. We think it's all over because the grain's finished, and we all know it isn't. We've still got some trying to catch up. We've still got a lot of sorting out to do, but we can see the end of the, the misery purely on the grain side. So we do appreciate that you guys actually still have to keep 
grinding on. So keep the faith, we'll be down the pub. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and when they are released. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 550 or email info at uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio, a full service creative agency specializing in websites, digital marketing and branding. Get in touch to inquire with their friendly team on info at eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk.